Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him and some said, what will this babbler say? Others, some, he seemed to be a setter forth of strange gods because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him unto Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine where thou speakest is? For thou bringest strange or certain strange things to our ears. We would know what therefore what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. Isn't that interesting? Yes, because when we ask ourselves the question, am I living in ignorance or with ignorance? I want to define the terms used. First of all, when you use the word in, it what comes from me internally. In other words, my attributes, my attitudes, my, my personality. When I use the word with, is what exists around me, externally. People that surround me or within my environment. Because ignorance is real and ignorance exists. Ignorance is a lack of knowledge or information, either coming internally from me or externally those around me. So am I actually living with people that are ignorant or am I living in ignorance? As I ask myself the question. Well, the word ignorant is an adjective and it really describes a person. Words like uneducated, unknowledgeable, untaught, unlearned, untutored, untrained, unlettered, unscholarly, unqualified, and the list goes on and on and on. Stresses on the fact that you could also be unworldly when it comes to using the word ignorance. So the definition for ignorant or ignorance is seen clearly in the scriptures as we read in the context of these Athians and, and what they were able to, to live by, as the case may be. They were not only living in ignorance, but they were living with ignorance. In Acts chapter 17, Remember we just read in verse number 16 to verse number 21 that when Paul went into the synagogues, he was disputing with them daily because they had among themselves certain philosophers. Now remember the term ignorant means illiterate, unlettered, uneducated, lacking in knowledge or in training. So when Paul came to Athens and he saw that the whole city was wholly given to idolatry, then these people have to be ignorant. Ignorant of the true facts of who God is because they would have had a, they have an altar that they built there for, for some God that they did not know. And the, the, the culture of the Athenians is that every time they hear something new, that's what they go after. So they were ignorant. Now, the fact that they were philosophers, I need to explain to you um, that sometimes when we talk about the gospel of Christ, the gospel of Christ have to face various challenges. One of the challenges would be the gospel versus philosophy. Yes, you have the gospel versus science, the gospel versus all form of Gnostic teaching. is the gospel versus philosophy. So philosophers uh, is one who is given to the pursuit of wisdom or learning. It's taken from that Greek word philosophos, which means a friend or lover of wisdom. 
In a narrow sense, one who investigates and discusses the cause of things and the highest goods. So Paul met in the city of Athens some philosophers who believed different things. And no wonder in the city of Athens, idolatry was so rampant because you have everyone in their corner believing certain things and holding on to certain things. One of them is called the Epicureans. The Epicureans, uh, they were a sect of Gentile philosophers founded by a person by the name of Epicurus in the year 342 to 271 BC. He was born on the island of Samos. And they were in high repute in Athens during Paul's time. Their doctrines held that the world came into being and will be dissolved by chance or by the effect of mechanical causes moved by chance. All events happen by chance or on occasion by mechanical causes. The soul dies with the body. There's no future retribution. Man's chief happiness lies in pleasure or bodily ease. So in their mind, all the life that they need to live is right here on the earth. Nothing to look forward to. So when the soul dies and the body dies, that's just it. Wow. So it created a frame of mind that was hostile now to all religion. Because that's what they held on to. They were willing now to fight against anything that opposes what they believe. So when the gospel comes and says there is hope for those who die in Christ Jesus because there's a resurrection, it opposes what they believe in terms of the soul and the body dying with no hope at all. Then you have the Stoics, or Stoikos as is known. A Stoic is a person who belonged to a sect of the heathen philosophers, which was founded by Zeno. Zeno is a Cypriot philosopher in the year 336 to 264 BC. The Stoics generally taught that it is virtue alone that renders men happy. That the ills of life are but fancied evils and that a wise man will not be to be moved with either joy or grief in their practice they displayed much patience and were very strict in their regard to moral virtue so there are people that strive for excellence because they believe excellence is the highest standard of living so the stoics were pantheistic and believed that sometime after death the soul was reabsorbed into the cosmic world <laughs> so then you understand that what paul met in athens was crazy it was chaotic where the epicureans believe in one thing the stoics believe in one thing and there are other philosophical teachings that reigned in athens so that tells us that these men were unlettered these men were untutored they were lacking the knowledge and the information that they needed to have any form of stability in life so in Acts chapter 17, verse number 22 and 23, that's the reason why Paul stood in Mass Hill and he said, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious or too religious minded. Because as I passed by, I beheld, I mean, it is quite clear that Paul would see before his very eyes the very same things that they're doing. I beheld your devotions. I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship." Him declare I unto you. Ignorantly worship. Ignorant may mean knowing little or nothing. It may mean uninformed about a particular subject. So then what the Apostle Paul which was challenged to do was to help them to understand their ignorance can be reversed 
into having the knowledge of who God is. And how did he do that? In verse 24. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. So the first thing you want to identify is that God is the creator of all things. Not the kind of philosophical teachings or mythological teachings that you have. God is the creator of all things. And he is the one who is the creator of the heaven and the earth. Goes back to what Genesis says in the beginning. God created the heaven and the earth. And the Bible tells us in John 4 verse 24 that God is spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So immediately they ought to understand because he's given them information. He's given them knowledge that this same God dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Neither is he worshipped with men's hands. As though he needed anything, seeing he gave it to all life and breath and all things. It was the custom of these heathen, these Gentiles, that when they give sacrifice and offerings to the God that they believe, they ought to bring something. Whether they bring in garlands or flowers, whether they bring in animals, they ought to bring something and even human beings to offer as sacrifice. But that's not the God that they knew. That's the God that they believe in. So Paul has to come and tell them now, this is the God that you have as the unknown God that doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. He's not worshipping men's hands as though he needed anything at all, but had made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth. And had determined the time before appointed and the bounds or the boundaries of their habitation. This same God made out of one blood all nations so every individual have an opportunity to understand who this God is doesn't matter where you come where you came from in different parts of the world doesn't matter the color of your skin your ethnicity doesn't matter your race all of us can come to know this one true and living God so not because you grew up in a particular society that believes certain things whether pertaining to mythology or philosophy that you would hold on to such belief God is saying let me tell you Paul is saying rather let me tell you who this God is so it doesn't matter what part of the world you came from what culture you grew up in what society is teaching you have received this God I'm telling you about is greater than all of these gods because there's only one true and living God and that's why he says that they should seek the Lord. If happily they might feel after him, they might find him, though he be not far from every one of us. Now, if they think that God is unreachable, that we have to do things and perform all kinds of sacrifices for him to, to come. In other words, there are people who invoke by certain sacrifices the God that they believe in to respond to them. And they do all sorts of things. Remember First Kings chapter number 18? In 1 Kings chapter number 18, we call it the battle at Mount Carmel with Elijah and these 400 plus false prophets of Baal. Where Elijah challenged them and said, okay, if you believe in your God and I believe in the true and living God, let, let's see who will respond to the cry and to the sacrifices. And they, they made their sacrifices well. They offered their sacrifices upon the altar and they danced, they jumped, they do all kinds of things. But their God didn't answer them. They begin to cut themselves and they begin to do, uh, find themselves in a form of violent way, but God, their God, did not respond. And so you have Elijah perhaps mocking and, and, and laughing because of the mere fact that, hey, what you're doing doesn't make sense. But then, 
even though Elijah had criticized them, he said, let me then do what I need to do to show you who the true and living God is. And the sacrifice was saturated with water. I think it was a seven times, could be more, all over again, just saturated with water, 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 so that everything upon the altar was wet and soaking. And when Elijah prayed to God, fire came down from heaven and burnt everything. And then they were able to see that the God of Elijah is the true and living God. And all the sacrifices that they had made when they jumped, they skipped, they cut, they did all sorts of things to themselves, and their God did not respond. That is not the true and living God. And so Paul is saying, even though you have various belief systems, whether pertaining to philosophy, mythology, or any other means of a belief created by you, there's only one God. There's only one God. And the Bible says in verse 28 of Acts 17, for in him we live and move and have our being. And certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. For as much as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the God is like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art or man's devices. That's not what the Godhead is all about. So if it is that you are a believer in mythology, you are living in ignorance. You are a believer in certain philosophical teachings, you are, be- you are uh, uh, in a measure of ignorance. If you are believing certain teachings that take you away from the true and living God, you are living in ignorance. And if there are those who surround you that support the same teachings, then you are living with ignorance. And that's the question was asked. Am I living in ignorance? Or with ignorance. An ignorant person can be dangerous. Because once you lack knowledge and you don't have the true knowledge of the word of God, then you remain lost. And so the word of God comes to us in its pureness of his knowledge where the gospel is concerned to remove all of the ignorance that we could serve the true and living God and him only. What knowledge do we have to move away from that? Well, remember the Bible tells us that you need to believe in Jesus Christ. Don't believe in all of these teachings that are surrounding you. Believe in Jesus Christ. Remember what we saw in Acts chapter 17 and verse number 3 and 4, when the Apostle Paul was opening a legend about Christ, his suffering, how he died and he rose again, and that's the same Jesus whom we preach unto you, is this Christ anointed? That's just it. Nobody else, just Christ. And then when you believe in him, repent of your sins. You know, 2 Peter 3, 9 says, the Lord... Is not slack concerning his promise of some men come slackness, but is long suffering, not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. Confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, Matthew chapter 10 and verse number 32. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will also confess before my Father which is in heaven. Verse 33, whosoever deny me before men, him will also deny before my Father which is in heaven. We need to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and be baptized of your sins washed away. Why? Because in Mark 16, verse 16, he says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Let's not live in ignorance or live with ignorance, but obey the gospel of Christ that can eliminate all of these ignorant situations that we may find ourselves in. So thank you once again for staying with us here on the New Year Bible Broadcast. May God bless you. Stay safe. 
and stay in God. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe what the Bible tells me. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe that He died on Calvary. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe that He came to set me free in me. So I might live with Him in glory. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. When the Bible tells me I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe That He died on Calvary, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe That He came to set the pain free, so I might live with Him in glory